the regular intro? Yeah, I, listen, I thought you were going to do something physical. You're like, gonna, should we do <laughs> what we planned? Do the thing? Hey, oh, no. You remember the thing <laughs> do you remember that we were it? talking about before this. <laughs> like, what is he doing? Well, we'll, we'll just start there. That's the <laughs> intro. Yeah, that's the intro. Um, all right, welcome back to Music Maniacs of Side After Dark, everybody. Damn. We're Side After Dark. I'm Dan Berg. I'm Sifa Graffiti. And we're joined today by a very special guest. Somebody that we've known for years now. Years, that's crazy. <laughs> Coming up on the open mic scene, playing music in this wonderful city of New York. Mm -hmm. And why don't you tell the people who you are? All right, how you doing? I'm Noha. <laughs> I'm, uh, I've been called many things, an acoustic anarchist, an electrocuted punk. Ooh. Um, I, I, Neo-psych synth pop wizard, I don't know. Whatever, Whoa. Whatever, whatever wow. the hashtags, whatever the hashtags are gonna I want to figure out what all the the um alliterations for those are and yeah. the, the initials for all those. Yeah, we'll have to figure that one out after we uh watch. Yeah, that's that. for later. I don't know. <laughs> that's awesome though. There's a method to the madness somewhere. Uh-huh. Somewhere, somewhere, sometime. Just let me know when you find it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to you in a couple years. <laughs> but uh yeah, no, we're excited. Um, so we are going to be playing with you yes. for your album release show yes. on March 15th. Yes, March 15th. Uh, it's only been the, I released my new album, The Furies in November. So it's a long delayed album uh, launch show. Uh, it's at a splendid venue called Prime Produce on um, 54th Street in Hell's Kitchen. And, um, and uh, my friends here Side After Dark are going to be um, uh, playing right before me. They're not the only ones in the venue. Uh, our friends Mary Hould and Sydney DeLessi are also going to be playing right before. It's going to be the doors open at 5 p.m. Uh, music's going to start at 6. And uh, yeah, I've been wanting to do an album launch show for actually ever since the album was in the can, really. So I've been thinking about this. I have lineup of artists uh side after dark's one of the first uh, you guys were the first people i thought of Much um part, partly so because awesome. uh, when i was working on these songs that um wound up on the album i was doing the open mics and i was getting to know you guys and hearing your music and uh we've done a lot of shows together so um you know i wanted to really be yeah it's a celebration of this album but it's also a celebration of live music so it's going to be really intimate kind of vibe and it's going to be a hell of a show. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. I'm really excited to perform with you. Like we haven't been in the same stage space in a while. Like you've come mm. to see our shows, which is much appreciated, but I feel like we haven't gone, I haven't gone to an open mic with you there in a while. Yeah. You know, so it would be good to be. Time flies. Stage. I mean, yeah. when you think about it, it's like, like I said, when we started, I'm like, we've known each other for like five years now because uh -huh. we met at the open mics before COVID. Yep. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's just crazy to me. Like it doesn't feel that long. No, I, I swear we just saw each other at an open mic, but I know that's years ago because it's like that was downtown <laughs> yeah. Manhattan. They don't even have the open mic at that venue anymore. That's right. So Yeah. Yeah. For reasons we don't have to get into. I've heard things. <laughs> well, <laughs> but no, no names have even been said, so we can keep it that way. But uh, <laughs> so actually, so one of the cool things about doing the podcast and like having people that we like have on that we met. So a lot of times we'll meet at like shows and mics and like you're like getting your in your headspace to do your thing. We're doing our thing. So there's not really always a lot of chance to just like sit and like talk to someone. Yeah, that's true. So I really want to know, like, what is your, I guess, your artist's journey? Like, how did you like when did you first start making music? Like, how do you feel like your music has evolved from then till now? You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it's um, I've been playing guitar uh, and writing music since uh, 2010, 2011. I lived in, this was not the goal. Uh, this was not the original dream. Uh, filmmaker was the dream. That was the ambition. Um, it's, yeah, I think it's, I spend most of my 20s writing scripts and, you know, trying to get people to read them mm -hmm. and hoping for the kind of the the reservoir dog's dream of that the right person reads the script and gives you the money and then off you go and it was funny i had a guitar and the the music and playing guitar and writing songs was like the hobby it was like the afterthought um and it was weird the it was right there in front of me people were really responding to it more than my scripts mm. And, you know, you get, I'm, I don't know if you guys can relate to this. You have a dream and it's not really panning out and it's, you don't really know what to do. And I was getting really depressed. And, um, uh, then I went on my own 
journey of uh, self-discovery and, um, you know, healing and recovery and uh, all that fun stuff. And I needed an outlet like everyone. I needed, I couldn't write, I, I needed to fall in love with writing. I needed to find my voice again. I just had the guitar and I decided to give that another serious go. And I've always, yeah, film and music are my two biggest loves as a, as a consumer of art. And, um, when I thought I was going to be a filmmaker, you know, music was a big part of it. And, you know, right down to all the, you know, classic cult films I grew up with and all the soundtracks that I would consume. And then, but also just the composers that would really strike you and the, the worlds that they would create and the layers that they would on top of these films that would take you somewhere. And like, that's what I was really responding to. So yeah, I just started like writing songs as an outlet for my own, um, uh, you know, the stories I wanted to tell and the feelings that I wanted to express. And then, um, I don't know. I put out one album, an acoustic album pre COVID called scenes from a breakdown, which is very, it's like kind of my, it's like a demo album for me. Oh, so that was like your first like music release. Yeah, it was my first release. I'd been writing. I didn't even realize that. Me neither. Yeah. We met you like right when that happened. Like, yeah, you, that as was a musician. You know yeah, I, mean? I was. Oh, see, that's, we're already learning things. <laughs> that was me putting myself back out there. I was doing it like on and off. I just wouldn't take it that seriously. Um, I would just do show. This was, I, um, you know, this is back in my drinking days too. And I uh, quit drinking like over six years ago now. And I don't mind like talking about it because I had, a, it was a good, it was a good time. That was the acoustic anarchist phase where I was like, I wasn't. Double A. <laughs> uh, the lyrics were there because that was the thing. People always like the lyrics. Um, as a guitar player, I was always inspired by the, you know, the punk movement of the seventies, particularly like in, um, in the British punk scene. And then later on post-punk movement, mm. um, Shout out to Joy Division. I, absolutely. They were <laughs> first, I was about to say. So it was like, well, I, I kind of want to do the acoustic version of that because it's all I sort of had at that point. Right. And, you know, I was very rough with my guitar playing. I was, and I didn't, you know, the practice was taking second, uh, took second, second fiddle to drinking. So I wasn't always <laughs> oh. prepared. But, you know, we had, a, but we had a good, but the shows were fun. Yeah, I, yeah. I think people didn't expect because... I'm, I'm not a, it's funny. I don't listen to a lot of acoustic music normally. It's not my go-to setting. There are exceptions to that. Like early Leonard Cohen was one of the ones that inspired me. You know, I'm like anyone I was, I was learning by looking up like kinks tabs and Leonard Cohen tabs, Kate Bush tabs, and just mm. whatever the open chords, and then eventually getting the courage to write my own songs. Right. And it's like anything. It just took me a while to have you know, I'm really hard on myself and I'm a perfectionist. And so I was writing a lot of songs that weren't very good. And then eventually the songs that made it on breakdown songs like, like Queen Hannah, that's, I wrote that in like 2011, 2012. That's old. All hail Queen Hannah. And that was one of the first ones where I'm like, okay, this is pretty good. People are responding to it. And then scenes from a breakdown was like a mixture of old stuff bet from back then. And then my, the songs where I was like healing and working on myself and throwing myself back into it. Those are songs where it's a little more songs like Mrs. Burroughs. <laughs> Gun-free karaoke. Hey, everybody, check your guns at the bar. I got a Bonnie Tyler ballad bleeding holes in my heart. Whereas the songs that are a little darker and have a, um, have a little kind of like an edge to it, but also they're telling a story. They're they're taking you somewhere. Yeah. So because your titles and your song content always seems really really picturesque. Mm. So do you feel like your film writing style goes into your songwriting? Oh yeah. What kind of film were you thinking about doing before? I mean, I've I love use a lot of I guess like. Uh, comedy drama I, I love like horror comedy i love things that have like a it's like the music i make i, I was about to say that's that, what i feel like your music is horror, right there's a <laughs> well the, i was thinking about um so on the on the new album there's a song delilah dreams of violence which you guys remember from like when we were doing zoom open mics during the pandemic yeah. what did you do with the scissors i can't snip away 
noises. Yeah, and that's I like when that one. Had a, I was cutting beat to it. Yeah, where I was. Ooh, um, open mics. <laughs> what a time. Yeah, well, well, that was the thing where it was like, let's move up to the next level, and this because there's no gigs anymore, so you might as well really let your imagination blossom. So with that song, um, for example, I actually stole a line from uh, Harold Pinter, who's one of my favorite playwrights, and there's a line about his theater was known as the co uh, the comedy of menace which I don't think he liked that phrase very much, but it describes his plays really, really well because there's always this feeling of like total unease and they're, they're really funny, but there's always this feeling of like, there's something, there's a lot that you, you he's withholding a lot and you feel like if I know more, I don't want to know more because it's going to be really upsetting. I know just enough that it's like, it's I'm unsettled, but I'm also enjoying this. And so it's one more of the, about what's not being said than what's being said. Right. And there's a humor in the kind of absurdity of like what people are like when they're, everything is kind of falling apart. And um, there's a play called The Homecoming, which opens with a character really abrasively going, what have you done with the scissors? And um, <laughs> that's open. Yeah, that's how the play starts. He often would start his plays with a question. They got like me. He just throws you. Yeah, exactly. He throws yeah. you right into it. And you're what like, did what did happen to the scissors? Yeah, yeah, what's going on? And it's like it's again. You, very quickly, it's a father son dynamic, and it's like there, he was he hated exposition. He hated all of that kind of. stuff. It was like let's strip it all back to it's just basic essentials. So, so that song is about. Um, this is a good example of like my how my imagination, my writing process works. And it is definitely, I think all, all the screenwriting informed all of that. It was like my training for, you know, all of these different stories that are built up in my head from all these different writing projects. So that's definitely how I'm approaching a lot of the ideas. So there was a documentary I was watching about um, Brittany. It was one of the conservatorship uh, documentaries. There was a few of them out at the time. And it was this really... It was, you know, this heartbreaking story of this, you know, poor woman being mistreated and, you know, her rights being taken away. And there was this, it was this, uh, it was actually the photographer with when she had the umbrella. And what was amazing was he was telling the story and he didn't seem to have any self-awareness of how he was contributing to her, her state of mind and what she was going through. And she just said, like, don't touch me. Everyone's always touching me. And both of these lines end up in the song. It was just such a heartbreaking, it's like such a human uh, moment. And it was, I had this genuine, this genuine reaction of like, I wish she had a shotgun instead of an umbrella. Like in the, <laughs> in a Quentin Tarantino kind of revisionist, like let's yeah. give her that moment. Right. To, mm -hmm. um, just in a flash of like, and that's like, there's a song. So now I don't want to, first of all, I don't want to take, it's like, I wouldn't dare write Britney dreams of violence, like exploit that situation, especially if it was still going on. Yeah. But also I'm not like a political songwriter in that sense. I'd rather take something like use that as a sp springboard for like other right. ideas. So I empathy. Right? Yeah. So it becomes about, so that's why it's called Delilah dreams of violence. And then I think that's where the scissors line comes in. That's my imagination is always going in 5,000 different directions. So I thought, okay, we can use the biblical. Right. So it's all these possible scenarios hmm. of violence kind of swirling around. Yeah. And then I'm thinking about the Tom Jones song, you know, where he's, it's the I scorned love. Right. And then I'm remembering <laughs> like, he, you know, he, he stabs her at the end. It's like, Jesus, you know, it's like Tom, you know, so Delilah should have her revenge finally. I got to re-listen to this song. So yeah, I like, that's what I love to do. I like, it's like, I'm, it's my version of a painting, I guess, because I can't paint at all. But I, it's like I love to layer the lyrics as much as possible. And I'm thinking about a kind of a scene. It could be like a literal like dialogue or it could be like a, a, a soliloquy or it could just be like a tableau. And then it's just about the music building an atmosphere around that. So, so, so do you see songs more or less as like a vehicle for telling a story? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's sort of how, I mean, even the songs that are more intimate and personal, um, a lot of them, like a song on, actually on Breakdown, one of the songs I kind of see as like my, this, this helped me step, be, uh, level up as a, as an artist was Mrs. Burroughs. Cause it was, that was a song that's about, that's a really personal song that's disguised as about something else. It's inspired by the incident with William S. Burroughs and Joan Vollmer, uh, where he, he shot his wife doing the uh, William Tell overture thing with the with glass on her head. If you've ever seen the film Naked Lunch, David Cronenberg film, they recreate it. And it's, you know, he was, it was a scandal. Like, and um, uh, 
this this very dark episode chapter in his life. And there was a story, a news article where he said, I, or I think you dare I say, it may have even been on the Wikipedia page, but it was the line of like, I'll write, I have to write my way. My out. favorite source. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he had to, um, it was this thing that always affected him. And, um, there's a refrain, uh, our loves lost control sung by a dear friend of mine, Amanda Mack from a phenomenal, uh, pop punk band, pop punk band, excuse me, Bad Mary out in Long Island, who've also come to a lot, done shows with me. And she sings the refrain, Our Love's Lost Control, which was a, there was a William S. Burroughs essay, The Limits of Control. So it's a way of layering it. But it was my way at the time of dealing with a situation that was very, that was unfolding in real time. And in those days, it was like early on in my own sort of recovery and, you know, it can help. That's why we make art, right? Is to deal with these things that are really affecting us. Um, or, you know, even a song like Kino Baby. Which is a little more, that's more like sweet and romantic in a kind of a generic sense, I guess. It's like a kind of a very simple metaphor. But yeah, it's a way of like exploring how it's like I have, I'll come up with the idea, I'll come up with the scenario, or even like, ooh, Kino Baby, Duchess Days, it's just like a great title. And I, and then I figure out, okay, what does that, how does that make me feel? And it's kind of like a journey of discovering what's the story there and, and just, yeah, letting the, letting the lyrics dictate and then letting the music come in and then they kind of work together. And then I've got a little, yeah, a little bit of a vignette. Right, right. Did you ever, um, second guess how you express your music because it's very yeah. you know very uh i would say dynamic right you know it goes Definitely. into like high like low loud sometimes you know did did you ever feel hindered doing that did you ever say to yourself like no don't do it that way or did you say you got to do it this way like how did your artistic your musical expression come about yeah it's um it's funny i used to be really hard on the first album because it's you know, it's a, it's a nice acoustic record. It's what I was capable of doing at the time. It's sort of where my head was at. And I, I was definitely, and that was around the time that we, yeah, I would have started playing open mics with you guys. And I was just kind of finding my voice and I was a little unsure of, yeah, how do, you know, how do, how do I express these feelings in a way that's authentic? And there's that fear of like, especially with all the nonsense that we have to navigate about like social media and packaging yourself. And I didn't, I had no idea. I was just trying to figure out just the very basic form of self-expression. And yeah. And then I guess I was a little, you know, for me, like I was saying, I'm not a big fit. I don't listen to a lot of acoustic music anyway. So when I put that album out, I was like, this it's, it's good. I'm, I'm happy with it, but I feel like there's more, to explore with these songs. Like I kind of knew even then, right? like there's, we can do more than just have a nice acoustic guitar riff here. I, and I just didn't know what it was yet. So it, you know, I, I hate that it had to be a pandemic to shut everything down and make us all, you know, um, locked, you know, literally locked in indoors and just having to go deeper and deeper into our imaginations. But, um, it's just one of those things where there's no gigs. So you might as well explore, you know, the kind of music that you want to write. And I don't know with the, the new album, the furies, it, it just kind of came about of like, I've always, people have always said to me, like, your music's really good, but you need to have a band. And it's like, you know, it's never been for lack of trying. It's just very yeah. difficult. You know, if you to get music musicians together for, in, in my case, it just has been. And, um, at a, it was, uh, there was one show where they, they were, they booked me thinking I was a band. They just said, no, huh? Oh. And then they were like, oh, you're a solo act. We don't do solo acts. And I'm like, ah, I can, but I, I, I can make it so it's like a band. <laughs> so. And they didn't tell you that until you got there? No, 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 it wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, we were that, emailing. Imagine no, you walk oh. up like, hey, I'm ready to play. And they're like, where's everyone else? <laughs> we don't do that. It's just. That, oh, that would be. We, we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. That would be humiliating. No, no, yeah. no, no. It was just in emails. And um, yeah, I guess I'd already been thinking about where, where can I take this? And um, one of my one of my favorite bands right now, they talk about a lot of Sleaford mods. It's just two guys in the UK. Um, 
one guy who does all of the you know the the singing it's like it's like again even the the you know the the genres i pick for myself i feel uncomfortable saying that i don't like to put labels on things but it is like a kind of a rap punk i guess it's um it's like the spirit of like you know the sex pistols and the spirit of the stooges but it's definitely contemporary because it's got one guy creating these incredible but lo-fi beats on a laptop and he's almost like this this sort of the silent he doesn't say anything he's just in the background the other guy's just all this righteous fury about and it's like you know this he's speaking about what's going on right now in the uk like you know post-Brexit Britain and all of that. But it's just, it's, again, it's that thing of like, we can retain the spirit of punk without it having to be that same sound that we've heard a billion times from a billion different right. bands, which is not at all, I don't say that in a pejorative way, but it's like, let's explore different angles with this. So, Well, punk is just an attitude. Right, it's a mindset, exactly. Yeah. So it's about finding your version of that. So it was like a two or three, anyway, I had like two or three weeks to just put together these, I was like, I looked up what they use and I downloaded Core Gadget on, believe it or not, on the, they have, you can get it on the Switch. Oh, and I got it on, and Switch. I swear to God, on the Nintendo Switch and I downloaded it and I took my best songs at that point. So it was just like, you know, Duchess Days, Kino Baby, the stuff that I thought people, and I was just like, I had just to think based on, well, I love, you know, I already had this love of psychedelic rock from the 60s, that kind of, um, that tone that you hear from like the Brian Jones era from of the Rolling Stones or for that matter, the Brian Jones massacre. Um, and then this deep, deep love of like that kind of lo-fi electronic music, um, or early synthesizers from like the sixties and the seventies. Mm -hmm. So I used, that's why I used to joke in like when I was putting on shows, it's like we're combining Berlin Bowie and the third Oasis album. But now I have to kind of put it in practice. And it was just really intuitive of like, what do I think would go best for these types of songs and just kind of feeling again what how how does this make me feel and just going on that journey talking about second so you know eventually i'm like i want to make an album people are really interested in this and i mean i second guess myself all the time on it it was just because it was really like i don't i have no idea is this good you know i'm recording this in my apartment i'm mixing it i'm just i'm going off of my love of all kinds of music and whatever i'm listening to and I'm just hoping that this is like, you know, you don't want to be like, you know, the, the Tommy Wiseau of neo psych synth pop, you know, just like you're doing everything by yourself and that's the problem. Right. <laughs> that That's an interesting, that is an interesting thing. Like, um, do you feel like more pressure on yourself because you don't have anyone else to like bounce ideas mm. off of? Because like, if I say something, if I have an idea, I'm like, hey, how's this? See if it could be like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, well, we'll just move on. But like, if it was just me, I might think it's great the whole time, and I like nobody might tell me that it's not. <laughs> well, this, yeah. So this is the thing where I eventually, and there was part of that ego thing was like, I got to, I'm gonna make an album by myself, and I'll, you know, you, I'm gonna McCartney it, and then you realize, yeah, it took quite a while for McCartney to become that brilliant. They could make his own albums, right? And he, <laughs> a little bit of. It was a humbling experience because, you know, I, I did know, I learned the basics of, you know, audio engineering and mixing. And then I'm just like, to your point, I don't know if this is any good. I needed help. So I did bring somebody in. I have a producer, um, a friend of mine, Christian Titus, who has worked with me for many years. We used to do a, um, we used to do a podcast, which we're thinking about bringing back, which was a kind of a sci-fi comedy weird thing. This was, again, I've, I've done a lot of writing before this point and um it was called sir callahan it was kind of like a merge of like doctor who, like 70s doctor who and like kind of the the wonderful mad era of science fiction after 2001 but before star wars where filmmakers were getting really weird oh. and just letting their immaculate so you get like zardoz with sean connery where you just if, if you don't know what that is just look that up <laughs> to know what do i That's mean crazy yeah i think i've seen um, still pictures like you, I, I have pictures in my head of what that is it's it's wild and i'm all i'm gonna say is it's the thing that sean connery did right after james bond and if you think about like just imagine when you look it up and just like imagine if daniel craig did that tomorrow <laughs> okay. but at any rate um this was, you know, it was, again, it was, that was another good example of something where we were doing a podcast of like radio plays and I'm like, I'm writing these weird ideas. Like I need somebody to help me make this a reality. And I had, you know, somebody to go on the adventure with me. And, uh, so we're thinking of bringing that back. And now that I've learned more about composing, but anyway, that's another story. But I, I reached out to him cause I was like, I needed help. I needed advice on like mixing and mastering 
and I eventually got to a point where I was like, you know, what? I, I could be working on this for another 10 years because what I started to do, it was the, this was how I learned, I learned making, you know, about music production by making an album, which I would recommend to anyone. Mm -hmm. Don't take a course, Same. just make an album and make all of the mistakes and drive yourself mad and threaten to quit and delete everything and never make music again. And then go back the next day and then you go back to those mixes. Um, cause I was, I was so, I was putting like arbitrary deadlines. So I got to put like the first single out and then I got it. And then as a result, I was rushing it mm -hmm. and I was putting singles out, uh, mixes out that I, that weren't ready and had a lot of issues. And that's why, and because I, it was, I was all in my head and I just wanted to get it done rather than get it great. So that's when eventually bringing some, and, and I, that is kind of a cross that I've chosen to bear is that I'm very independent. I will, it's like, I can't get a band together. Well, screw you then. I'll do everything myself. I'll and then my own band. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And then you get to a point where you're like, ah, I need help on some things. Right. And that's okay. So it's about, okay, you bring the people in that you can trust who support what you're doing and like what you're doing, but you know, they can also steer you in the right direction and tell you what you're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And then that's what, that's kind of what eventually happened was like, I knew that it, I would keep second guessing. I would keep putting that pressure and it would never get done. Or I could just trust this other person to get me across the finish line. And he did that, you know, um, I, you know, I paid him to finish the album and it was like this little calling card for both of us. And we got it out there and it was trusting him and letting go and just and it was the best thing for the the music. It's the best thing for me. And I'm, yeah. Otherwise, like I said, I would still be working on it. We wouldn't be doing this podcast right. We wouldn't be doing a show right now. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm so grateful because I I'm so. This is the difference. I'm so proud of this album. That's why I'm. We're doing this show to celebrate. It's like this is something that I really want to celebrate, not just have like a show in the background of some bar. It's just, you know I want to you know bring people together because yeah, this was two years in the making of me learning, you know, how to mix, how to master, and also how to trust my own judgment of I'm putting these two elements together that I don't know if it's even going to work or not, but I feel it feels right. And then just, you know, going through it enough times until you figure out, I don't know what I want, but I do know what I don't want. Mm. And eventually I'm going to get there and it'll, it'll all coalesce as long as you just keep believing in it. And yeah, it's it's kind of changed me. It really, really has. I feel so much more kind of relaxed and self-assured about the process because I I did it. You know, I got yeah. through it and I don't I'm not saying you go, yeah, it's good, but it could be better. I'm like, no, this is a this is a great album. And I'm, you know, I'm just really, really pleased with how it turned out. And that's the main thing. Awesome. Okay. So we're performing with other acts on March 15th. On the Ides of March, is that what it's called? It's my mom's birthday. I've been, I've been really out. trying to plug it. Happy birthday. I'm like, I'm doing a show on my mom's birthday. Who wants to come <laughs> hear her baby sing? <laughs> Whatever works, right? But um, we're performing with other acts. So why did you pick them? You know, we know that we know you and stuff, but why? how do they um, add to the NOHA experience? Yeah, it's... Um I don't know. I didn't want to, I, again, I, I have, having gone through all of this, I didn't want to overthink. I don't want to overthink anything in terms of like, That's Oh, order. <laughs> right. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's an ongoing challenge. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's what has to be done. No, it's, I, I, I didn't even know for sure how I wanted my set to go until about a couple of weeks ago. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, and the album is not like this, funnily enough. It's, um, there isn't any acoustic guitar at all on, on the Furies, but I've been experimenting more and more with this kind of psychedelic acoustic vibe where, you know, with the pedals that I'm using and just really experimenting with reverb and delay with, yeah, and, and doing, I don't know, incorporating elements of like modern classical and, and I don't know, because I, I sometimes think that we, the acoustic guitar is a little bit like, we take for granted what it's capable of and we, we tend to, there's a, you tend to hear acoustic guitars in certain contexts, you know, like the coffee shop and it's played in a certain way, which is not at all a dig on that, but I feel like there's a lot more you can do with it. So anyway, because I knew I was, it, it is a more intimate sort of vibe than like some of the 
some of the shows that we've like the last show I did was um, I opened. I was very honored to open for Munostock, this like wild pop punk festival out in Long Island, um, which was a lot of fun. But, you know, I couldn't what we're going to do in March. I could not do that there. You know, I, it had to be turned up to 11, you know. There's a certain vibe. Right, roaring guitar sound. I had yeah, I had the full synth, you know, the full set menu. So for this, I thought, well, I want to do something a little more, like I said, intimate, a little more, um, and then lay into the acoustic. Um, you guys are not an acoustic act, but I think you have the right kind of energy for, you know, I, I am thinking more about like the spiritual capabilities of music and like, you know, the music that I'm currently working, I'm going to be playing new material. It's not just going to be stuff. It will be some stuff from the album, obviously, but you know, I'm excited about pushing this, these kind of cinematic songs further with like, you know, these long, I wanted these kind of long droning minimalist sequences. So we're starting out with a couple of, um, uh, well, we're starting out with a wonderful um, acoustic performer, Mary Hould, who um, I hate, I dare I say has uh, been on some things recently. Uh, she's been, she was on Saturday Night Live recently. I almost feel like, like weird about like mentioning that our, our artists have done cool things. Like, you know, there's the, I guess that's the punk in me of like, don't. Right. <laughs> but yeah, you know, she's a phenomenal actress. Um, singer songwriter in her own right. And she's been on, I think she's been on billions as well. Um, but she was recently doing uh, sign language uh, dressed as a bowling pin on an episode hosted by Jacob Alordi. <laughs> well, yes, oh. you can <laughs> check that out. It's a wild, it's a, and yeah, she will be kicking off the night around uh, 6 PM. And I think that'll, especially as we're coming in, it's going to be, and you know, it's going to be a BYOB event. There's going to be food. So it's, I want to kind of curate. It's like, you know, it is, it, it, I, I, I hate using family in that kind of like, you know, Vin Diesel sense, <laughs> but we are, you know, we're getting people together. It's like, I want it to be a kind of a party vibe, you know, okay. we'll, okay. we'll hang out. We will, um, and I think she'll start out and then we'll have Sydney Delessi who's, um, going to kick, uh, get us into, she has a, a little more of that, like, um, that kind of, uh, that reverb sound that's very, uh you know, in vogue right now, but it's also, I think we'll set the tone for what is, it'll be like a appetizer for what's going to come later on in the evening. You guys will kind of kick it up a notch, yeah. really get people's energy going. And then at 9 PM, I will take over and we'll really get things vibey and spacey. And, uh, dare say, uh, I do recall you have some kind of competition involving edibles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I would call it a competition. Maybe we could make a competition out of we it. <laughs> we we like to throw edibles at people at our during our shows. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> throw them out to the crowd, not mm. like. Maybe we need to. If right you're if you're eyes, if so. you're gonna bump up all the trippiness on your set, maybe we need to get extra edibles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just yeah. throw them to all corners of the room. <laughs> That'd be funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's just I think all of you. It's like you're similar but different. Your energy is similar but different. I think the first two acts, um, Sydney in particular, have much more of a chill vibe, mm -hmm. which I think will be great for people coming in. It's you know it's Friday night. It's after work. It's uh, spring is starting to set in, um, yeah. and then, but I think the the energy levels uh, will definitely need to be taken up a notch, and then we'll um, do you know you're a more spirit you know keep rising that's. Uh, Elevating that spiritual plane, and then um, I'll just keep taking it as as far as I possibly can. So we're gonna lace our edibles with cocaine. <laughs> not just say to that. Bring the edibles. <laughs> just to bring the energy up. We need the energy. I mean, and the I mean, no, that's I didn't not. Like that. yeah. I didn't say that. No, <laughs> the edibles are fine. Don't worry. <laughs> There's more than enough. Ca uh, more more than enough caffeine. Um, yeah. That you you guys will be. Uh... Yeah. No, it's gonna be honestly. I like I said. I wanted. I just. I don't know. It, it was just like, I just wanted to get the, uh, a good mixture of uh, unique artists who are storytellers. I think maybe that's the common thread. Okay. Mm. Um, I think you guys are storytellers in your own way, for sure. Um, you're, I'm, and I was watching an interview earlier with one of my godlike figures, Brian Eno, and he was saying that, you know, the role of an artist is we're creating little worlds for people, mm. whether it's in that world could be, could be, it's, you know, it could be a comedy sketch that like we were just talking about. It could be a, a book. It could be a song, a movie. We create a world for people to go into, whether it's, you know, just to laugh or to, you know, be entertained on a very basic level or it's to feel something more deeply in your soul, um, whatever the case may be. So I just, um, 
you know, I wanted to think about the artists who I've seen in, in open mics, like um, whether it's Sight After Dark or Sydney or Mary, and who have left me with that feeling of like, oh, yeah, I've stepped into a little world that only that artist could have created. Cool. And um, yeah, I think that's that's the little bit of the variety. I don't know if any of that made any sense. But. Yeah, I was following. Mm -hmm. Good, good. Well, I appreciate that. That was a, that's a great compliment to say as an artist that you can create a world yeah. for people to get lost in. You know? yeah. yeah. Oh my god, you, you you always and you absolutely prioritize that in in the the energy that you bring to your performances. I mean, stars is a great. I'm always going on about that one. Hey. I love that song. That's absolutely like a, a world that you created in, in and of itself. The vibe of it, the message of it. Um, I think that's the thing, like that song in particular is going to be great to hear in that space. And that's the kind of, um, that's the kind of energy I want to jump off of afterwards. So it's going to be, it's going to be really exciting. Mm -hmm. I still, I, I bring this up every time we talk about that song. We wrote that song the first time we ever jammed together. The first time, yeah. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really beautiful. That that makes sense. It's I feel like it's your your anthem in a way. It's what I think of when I think of Whoa, you guys. Oh, we have yeah. an anthem. <laughs> Look at that. Huh. It's your champagne supernova. Oh man. Oh, oh man. Whoa. Well, it's the, the stars. Words. Champagne <laughs> supernova in the stars. There you uh -huh. go. Uh -huh. <laughs> we can make a mashup. Hey. <laughs> I I would listen. I would I'd buy oh. that on the 7-inch. I was going to bring this up earlier, but I forgot. So you were Okay, so so film. Yeah. Music. And you've developed yourself more musically in the songs. You've developed like what you want to do musically. Would you ever consider bringing that back to film projects, or even possibly creating like a bunch of songs to create a film to those songs, like to an album? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the um, the podcast I was mentioning earlier, I it's I don't want to. I don't know how much I want to say because these things are always in the early idea stage. But you know, we uh, Christian and I, we want to bring that that world back. We kind of want to rebrand re it a little bit. And part of that was when I was getting to the end of this album. I yeah, I was. I just found myself going back to this weird little world. Oh, what happened was we were. It was actually one of the last days of mastering, and on a break, Christian was like, "Hey, you want to?" I remastered one of the episodes of uh, Sir Callahan. Uh, and by the way, this was, you know, this was the last creative thing that I did was this podcast before I quit drinking. This was, you know, a little bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of an edgy time in my life. And you develop an association when you're going through a rough period and you kind of don't want to look back at what you were working on. And it was this kind of beautiful moment of like over the summer, I was listening to this thing at, a, at that, you know, where I was doing all these mad voices. And, it, and again, it was another great example of I have this idea in my head for this radio play slash whatever podcast. Is this going to be fun? Is it going to work? All these years later, listening to it, laughing my ass off, I, I almost felt guilt. Like, is it okay to laugh at my own material? But it was really funny. And I was like, I, I, whatever darkness was going on at the time, I just wasn't occurring to me. And it made me think maybe there's a future in this. So mm. around that time, I, st I, I started thinking about like, what if I did like a rock opera stage show? Like, you know, like if you ever saw like um, when the Who would perform Tommy, like when it would like the Isle of Wight is one of my favorite, like to get me psyched up before a show. Um, when it was just like the, the four of them were just this absolute unit of a band and like yeah, they didn't need. Totally they have some moments. Yeah. 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 And they didn't even need like a full orchestra. It was like the four of them just brought it like that Isle of Wight where they played like four in the morning or something crazy and get, get a bunch of hippies like. <laughs> Yeah. Shout out to, to Keith pay attention. Moon. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to Keith Moon. I just want to say that. Oh. Keith Moon and John Entwistle. Yeah, the absolute yeah. um absolute. tanks, the two of them. Yeah. But the yeah. ox. Very true. The ox, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um but anyway, yeah, or not just like all any of those kind of like uh artists who you blend the theater. Yeah. The wall, absolutely. That's the other uh standard example. Um so yeah, I was thinking about like a rock opera called Intergalactic Freedom Fight, and uh, because the character was called the Intergalactic Freedom Fighter, IFF. Uh, yeah, IFF. So um, that might wind up being the how we rebrand the show. And yeah, I've just been writing like I have little ideas for songs, um, thinking in that kind of like theatrical. Like the Kinks actually had a, a couple of they had a few goes at rock operas that aren't they're not 
they were much more theatrical, embracing like the British music hall tradition. Uh, what were those? Uh, Preservation was the big one. Uh, those have some really good songs on it. They're they're deep cuts from the seventies, but I think of Death Throw Tell too. That's yep, the image yep. I have. Like remember the Minstrel in the Gallery video? That yes. Yeah, they're like four puppets on stage. Like you feel like you're watching some type of theater. Yeah. You know. Theater. Yeah, I love. <laughs> yeah, Aqualung, Thick as a Brick. Those where it's like you. I like that kind of loose thing where it's I, I, the idea of like writing songs where it's telling a loose, you don't have to, like the wall is so much, like it's telling a story. You have to like, the songs are so directly connected. Right. What I'm thinking about would be more like, yeah, like a soundtrack to your point. So I don't know. We, I've been thinking about, we were thinking about maybe doing like a web series where we would we remaster the rest of the episodes and animate them. And then, so I'm thinking about writing new, new works. And I don't know. Yeah, I'd love to write a movie about. It. So I, I'm. I think that was the thing. I had so much. I had a lot of time off from writing like scripts. You know, I, I, I had a lot of go at theater as well. But now I, th I think I'm in that space again. Where, and that's the thing. I'm thinking about music later on down the line. You know, I'm one of my big heroes. I go on about a lot of Scott Walker, who, um, not that one. Uh, the who I glibly call call his I, I i glibly say is david bowie's david bowie he was the guy who kind of inspired him to take it out there there's a fantastic documentary called 30 century man that bowie produced about him you know this extraordinary tale about this you know he started he was in the walker brothers who you know in the mid-60s they were this huge boy band american singers over in the uk bigger fan club they had more members of the in their fan club than the beatles at the height of it and scott walker was like he was dare i say the kind of harry styles of the group but he and then eventually he started putting out his own solo albums that really really inspired me his for um scott three and four and in, in particular and then eventually i won't do the full story but he like disappeared um and he be, he reemerges as like avant-garde composer and his later albums ooh he took it he went he went out there. <laughs> These songs that are like, um, he has one song on an album called The Drift called Clara. The outside is green. Which is about Mussolini's mistress who died with him. And it's like 12 minutes long. And it's like, if you're not in the right headspace, it's scary. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it's like, a, it's like a horror movie that you can't, you have to imagine the, the, the scene in front of you. he, and he was another one where he just became more and more interested in like, how much can we strip back until it's almost like there are just long silences and the, the vocals are just cutting through and it becomes like a, a theater piece. So I don't know. It's, I think that was the thing with the Furies. I, I gave myself permission to really color on a, like on a broad, bright canvas. Whereas for the first album, I was just a little, I was insecure. You know, I was like finding my voice and I didn't want to put my, push myself forward too much and fall flat. And then eventually I just went, oh, the, oh fuck it. You know, I just yeah. uh, like. That's that punk attitude. Right, exactly. It was like, I, I just, I we only live once. It's so, it, also, you know, I'm mid thirties. I'm, you know, middle-aged white guy like it's like i'm not gonna suddenly become taylor swift levels of famous you know would you want to be no well that's the other thing i wouldn't i it's not what i'm shooting for anyway so you just realize like the joy in just the process of making your art is that's what i kind of just fell in love with and then this this album coming out and getting really lovely reviews and a lovely reaction i don't know it's just it was a real turning point for me and i just want to keep exploring that as much as i can and see where it goes so yeah i'd love to see and i've even like the filmmaker friends I know, I'm, I've already like, yeah, I guess you need a composer anytime soon. Like I'm yeah. dropping those kind of hints, yeah. but yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that opportunity. Um, have you ever just, even just like as a more or less like a songwriting exercise, have you ever thought about taking like an old script, something that you wrote way long ago and trying to put it to music or like, Oh, you know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. Or like turning that or like cutting out just a piece and making that a song or at least attempting to, um, just to see where it brings you, you know? I have a song idea, I, a little bit. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of actually just taking a scene. That's a cool idea. I might I might dig around in some of my old scripts to see if there's mileage in that. Like actually take the dialogue and put it to music. That's yeah. That's a nifty idea. Thank you. Yeah. Um, right. I do you can feel but, the film strong with him, right? I can yeah. feel it. Like, he'll definitely come back. Or, it's well I feel again. Like you're I don't. Playing the scene in your head right now. Well, it's I my 
my way in 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 doing this is like I, I took a few music theory classes in high school. Mm-hmm. So I do have a lot of and I have a real love of like like I said, modern classical music, a lot of minimalist composers, um Michael Nyman. I re- recently got into Julius Eastman. Um but uh you know, because I study, I immerse myself in film for so many years. It's sort of what I know. So like when I'm thinking about the songs, it's like I am, the lyrics are kind of like the script and I'm just figuring out where this, the scene is going. And then it's just becomes a matter of like, okay, so what, you know, do we, how are we going to film this? Or what is, what would this look like? Mm-hmm. What's the picture in my head? And then if I'm lucky, I've got a song already written and then I can just feel it out. But more recently, it's like, I'll start with the lyrics and I don't really know what the ending is. And then I start, I pick up the guitar and then I got like, oh, I'm now singing it. I'm like, oh, this is good. Now I know where it's going. Duchess Days was kind of right, like right. that, little by little. So, um, but anyway, to go back, I have a, I think when I got to the, I started thinking about like some of these old film ideas and like that I could adapt them into songs. Um, again, I'm I'm paranoid about like sharing some of them, but there's a few. I have a believe it or not, I want to. I I have an idea for a Christmas song. You know, not like in this intense what we've been talking about, but like you know the um, something closer to. I love that song, just like Christmas by Low. I usually I've been listening to that around the holiday. It's just really melancholy, sweet. Uh, you should, you can listen to that any all. What you know those wonderful songs? They just happen to be set at Christmas. Okay. You know, fairy mm-hmm. fairy tale of New York is the, it's just one of the great masterpieces of songwriting. It just happens to be written uh, set at Christmas time. You know, because I have a there was a script uh, that I wrote a long time ago about a family around that was falling apart around like a sort of a bittersweet comedy about a family falling apart around Christmas. And like, um, I don't know, it, it just the title of that has been kind of calling back. I'll just say what it, it was called meth on Christmas Eve because the family that there was, there was the joke that the, 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 the family's last name was meth and it was going to be, um, so I have a little bit of an, a, it's like a, that phrase. So that's what I mean. That phrase. So I take that phrase. I'm, whether or not this story makes it into the song, I don't know. Right. But I can use that as a springboard and I have a little like, like, cause it's, yeah, it is a funny kind of dark, darkly comic phrase, but I, you know, I have a sweet, like I want your meth on Christmas Eve. You could, there's a sweetness to that. There's also, you could take that a lot of different ways. So let's just say, yeah, I'm kicking that around in the idea stage, but, um, yeah, I don't know. That's I'm, I'm still learning what my process is. So, and that's part of the process. That's oh. part of the process. That really is. And I, it took me such a long time to embrace that. I was so goal-oriented of like, get the singles out and get the album out. And then at a certain point, I just went, it, that's why like, I, I had all these single mixes out that I wasn't thrilled about. And then I just woke up one day, I was like, just take them down and then get them right and then put them back up. And then when you know the album is on course and then you can, and then it's, and that's what I did. And I was like, it was this weird thing of like, oh no, but then I'm taking down my, I'm, I'm taking down my content and I'm going to, it's going to affect the algorithm. Like, right. Who cares? It will get, if it, you will get it to the level that you need to get it at and that will be worthwhile. And then, cause I can't share my music if like, I'm not going to share it if I'm not crazy about it, but I had to get it to the point where I was crazy. But like, if I stumbled upon it by accident I'd be like this is this is that's what you want it to be like when I finally dropped the album like I didn't want to go anywhere near it for like a month obviously and then you know I'm submitting it for blogs and then I'm like listening to it on low volume for the algorithms and then I'm like maybe I'll actually listen to some of it and then I'll be like this is good you know this is I like I like the I like the the album mix of Duchess Days better than the single mix but the single mix is all right and I'm like I'm nerding out about like my own music the way that I do it about like you know do you prefer the single version of like this you know to the album version and you know that it's that moment where you take a step back and go like the the inner child right the person you know the young the young Noah who wanted to just like write something and connect it's like that's what you want it's the moment where you feel good because people are always going to be nice to you about what you put out. Yeah. And that's great. And I really appreciate that. And they don't, and they're like, but your music's so good. Why are you being so hard on yourself? It's like, cause it's not, it's not what I hear yet. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And some, sometimes you don't ever get that. And it's like, so when you do, it's like, you gotta, you gotta celebrate that. And again, that's what the, the show is going to be about. It's like, I, it's, I, celebrating what we can do, this gift of being able to, I don't even know where this comes from, to be able to catch these songbirds and then release, but you know, I'm, I'm doing it while I can. Yeah. I had a friend that hated open mics for that reason. Mm. It's like, because they're supposed to clap for you <laughs> and they're all going to tell you that it's good and you should keep going. He's like, I hate going there. <laughs> Interesting. Like, I want to know what my music sounds like. I, I feel yeah, it. I, that. I feel that because I've always, this. I'm trying to think of a way that makes, that I say this without sounding like a dick. I've always appreciated strangers telling me something was good better mm. than like people that I know. Yeah. yeah. I know that my friends are going to be like, oh, great job. But if it's like, if I don't know you and you don't care about me at all, mm -hmm. and you went out of your way to say, oh, that song really meant something to me. I'd be like, oh, yes. uh, maybe it really, maybe there's something there. Right. Who knows? Right. That's what it was. But I still appreciate my friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, we, we need that. Especially when we, yeah, when, when, when we're feeling down about the it. Encouragement, everything. Absolutely. But to your point, like when I was first starting out way, way back and yeah, I was, I was not the best musician in the world and we were, you know, you got to start somewhere. But whenever somebody would be like, hey, your, your lyrics are really good. Did you write that? It's like, okay, that was like a, you should keep doing this. Mm -hmm. um, I, it's funny with the open mic, they, that, what that made me think, because I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to perform Duchess Days, which is one of the singles, but um, you guys were at an open mic that I performed about a year ago where I did this song that's, that I'm going to, it's kind of become like the, un, it, it'll be on the next album, mm -hmm. but it's become the unofficial, like the seek, the follow-up to Duchess Days, where it's like, you know, a lot of these sort of, a lot of these more the romantic songs I've been putting out or, you know, it's like um, reflecting a certain relationship. And then it's like we're we're closing the chapter in the sort of in this way. So I have this song that I performed, which I don't remember what it was called at the time. But now I finally settled on a title, which is one with the acoustic guitar, right? Yes, it was called. Um, exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, it's called a, it's now called a white flag serenade. And it's um, yeah, it was where I kind of it's. It, sort of where I push myself a little bit further where to embrace the my love of minimalism and the kind of arpeggiated chords that Philip Glass uses and it's this is a song that's like a little more raw it's a little more like heartfelt and I held it I kept it away for a long time because I wasn't ready to perform it yet and it's funny because yeah open mics people are always really sweet and cool about your stuff but you can always tell when something's hitting a little bit differently mm -hmm. And it was a pretty packed, it was a pretty packed night, I remember. And yeah, I, I, it was the debut of that. And it was, you know, uh, open mics. One of the things I do, one of the things I do love about open mics is the limits they give you because it's, if you're told, for example, you know, you have eight minutes, um, my songs are usually like four or five minutes. So what I was doing early on was like, oh, I got to, I'll do like a joke single edits right on the open mic. And I'm like, well, I'm cutting my songs down and that's no good. What if you just did one song for eight minutes? And I thought, this is a good song to try that out. And like, let's now give it the space. And I started doing that more often where I would just be like, now I don't have to rush Duchess Days. I can play it for the full eight minutes. And now I can really explore different avenues and play and do like the, a, a longer intro where I can, I can get a good rhythm going in the strumming pattern. So all of that to say, I'm, I'm playing this song and I'm like, really you know it's it's a, it's a song with a lot of feelings it's got a lot of <laughs> a lot of man feelings and um all of the all these guys just start like getting closer and closer to me with like tears in their eyes and you know cuz let's face it you know, that's what we're doing like we're trying to connect and i could feel like this was it was hitting in a way that was different like you could feel the energy and i was like okay this is and again, it, it takes that courage to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm tapping into something that's, you know, it was pretty raw. And it's, again, for me, that's sometimes that's where I need to write the song first before I talk to my therapist or, you know, I have to find a way, like I have to find the right words and the, 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 the music, the songwriting will help me with that. But um, yeah, I think that's the thing about criticism is like, you know, people, you have to kind of be able to filter like, okay, well, these people are always going to be nice, mm -hmm. but there's a way that you can read their niceness. Cause mm -hmm. one of the things that happened with me was like, when I was putting out the early singles, I was sort of getting no reaction. And then, but like the, the muted reactions were nice. I'm like, that means it's not that good. Cause you're not like really good. 
when I started putting out the final album mixes and then now it's a little, there's the, the level of enthusiasm has shot up and now you're, yeah, you're getting more strangers or you're getting more people who don't normally like. Who wouldn't reach out. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was the beautiful thing is like putting this album out and like people that I went, like I knew from my film days, like film school days or like people from, yeah, like actors who've been doing this for a long, they've been, I've gone to see the plays that they've written and they've put themselves out there. So it always feels great when other creatives like recognize your work. Um, yeah. So that's, I'm really excited to perform that again. And, and that was another turning point where I was like, yeah, we can, yeah, we can, I don't know, take this further. And, um, you know, and, and cause I was that fear of like, is this too long Are people can get bored, you know? And then it's like, no, just let, you're excited about this. You're enjoying it. And people will go along with it. If, you know, if you let them in, you don't have to be, you know, you, you give them the opportunity to experience like the music that inspired you and made you like well up and moved you. You don't have to like edit yourself because I don't know, you think it'll be easier, but I don't know what that, I don't know what that tangent was about, but that's a song to get yourself excited about a white flag serenade. You heard it here first. <laughs> so speaking about the show on March 15th. So you have been to this venue before. We have not been to this venue before. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to hear just a little bit more about it. Yeah. So it's um, to the full name of the venue. It's a prime produce apprentice um, cooperative. And it's on uh, West 54th Street between 9th and 10th Avenue. Um, I will be honest. I mean, I... I've, uh, I know the people who are running it. I don't, um, I don't know everything about this venue, but I do know that it is a space that is designed for, you know, their mission statement really is to, I guess, you know, bring about these kind of, uh, uh, events for people. So they do everything from like live music to, um, they do symposiums, they do like, you know, wedding receptions, like any, any kind of, you know, it's just a kind of a space for events. Um, but you know, the, I think the thing that makes it really special is their, their, um, their slogan is they are a guild for good. So, um, you know, they, uh, it's it, one of the things about it, their, their mission statement, it's, um, uh, there's, you know, it's a lot of stuff about like, you know, doing good for community service. And, um, I think that's one of the reasons that I, uh, selected them specifically is because it's you know, they're giving us the space to put on the show that I want to put on. Mm -hmm. It's not, um, you know, they're not taking like a massive cut from what the artists are going to be making, you know, such as yourselves. There's going to be, um, there's going to be food. There's going to be catering. It's, um, uh, uh, there's going to be Jamaican food, I believe. It's, uh, it's gluten. There's going to be gluten-free options. There's going to be vegan options. It's BYOB. So, um, you know, uh, you bring your own party, bring your own, get your own festivities going and, you know, whatever is going unless to you get edibles from us, <laughs> unless you get edibles from them. Part of the show, you might get free edibles from Set After Dark. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, um, uh, Prime Produce Apprentice, uh, collab, uh, Prime Produce Apprentice Cooperative, uh, they call themselves a radical experiment in sharing, collaboration, relationship building, and placemaking, uh, part of the Prime Produce Collective, an ecosystem of friends, family, and neighbors who cultivate the craft of community service. Um, if you want to learn more about, uh, them, I would say visit their website, primeproduce.coop. So primeproduce.coop, in other words, um, all of us have put up, uh, flyers for the show on our Instagrams, et cetera. And we've got the prime produce logo. It's got the address. Um, yeah, this is a really special venue. They are very much, um, you know, they're a scrappy little organization, but they're a newer, uh, community I've seen. Uh, I've actually seen a live stream, uh, Yuko Kudo, who's, uh, one of the, who partly runs, uh, is, and is responsible for letting us do this show. Uh, she put on a live, uh, theater, uh, piece called, I came, it was called, um, I came here to be love, I believe was the name of it. Yuko, I'm so sorry if I got that wrong. It was a great, great show, but it was like a live stream. It was like a zoom live stream event during the pandemic when we were doing all of those zoom open mics and it was it done at this space. Um, so they're like, uh, I've, they've done like, yeah, screenings there. They've done all sorts of things. So it's going to be, um, but you know, this is a, like I said, this is a show that I'm putting together. I've booked all the artists. The, uh, doors are open at 5 PM shows st starts at 6 PM. It is $10 online. Currently, uh, we have, uh, tickets going on eventbrite.com. Uh, but at the door, it'll be $15. 
but uh, like I said, all proceeds are going directly to the artists. And um, yeah, they have a, this is good. It's a really phenomenal organization. Uh, they have more information on the website about how you can become a member and support their organization. They do, and they do lots. Of, I think they do like yoga classes. They do, they got, they got a little bit of something for everybody. So, <laughs> all right. Well, there it is. Come through March 15th if you're in, in slash around New York City. And even if you're not, come, come hang out, come oh, yeah. fly or drive or take a boat. <laughs> or maybe a, a kayak. I don't know. However you want to do it. And um, yeah, we'll see you there. But until next time, we're Side After Dark. This has been another episode of Music Maniacs with Side After Dark. Thanks for being here. Thanks Thank so you so much for having me. See you guys. I'd give anything to not hear you whine and cry about